Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Hello. Hello. What was that? Hey. Yo. Okay, I'm here. <laughs> oh, Mike, how you doing? Are you out driving around or Good. something? No, I'm, well, he's I'm, driving around. Uh, I'm driving. Yeah. You, you work with Eddie, huh? Well, we used to back in the day, but uh, I'm, oh, okay. I'm uh, doing real estate now. I'm starting off with that. Oh, all right. And, uh, yeah, man, you told me about your podcast and I've been hearing and, and very interested in a lot of things you're saying. Uh-huh. And, uh, <clears throat> some of the stuff with the uh, divine council is eye-opening for me a little bit. And, um, I've read through the Bible a whole bunch of times probably by now, you know, I've been just say safe since I was 19. Okay. And, and my background goes, um, basically the way I feel like the Lord kind of put his hand on my life was when uh when my brother passed away um he had a car accident and i basically kind of lost it my dad was never really around you know and um in the funeral i sensed uh all my family members and all his friends and i sensed the love of god at the funeral i had never really been preached to or you know, I, I went, I was raised Catholic, you know, I was raised Catholic and I did my communion. I did all that. But after I was 14, my brother died when I was 15, that, that kind of started me off in the, the journey of, you know, why did this happen to my family and stuff like that? And, um, I guess, I guess I really can't put my finger on when it happened, but I fell in love with Jesus at a, you know, around 21, 22 and stopped smoking. weed, stopped doing all that for, for a very long time, probably for about five, six years picked it up again started doing it again now let's fast forward now about 20 years into my walk with the Lord and I'm just finding um Eddie introduced me to a, a preacher called Joseph Prince and are you familiar with him I'm familiar with Garrett Prince I'm not that's totally different yeah. Joseph Prince I'm not sure did you give me a link to him Joseph Prince yeah. Did you? Yeah. Hey, we can't hear you that good. Oh, really? Uh, that don't sound good, eh? Um, can you hear me right now? Do I sound okay? Yeah, a little better, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, did you, Eddie, you want the link? Did, no, did you give me a link to Derek Prince before, Eddie? Oh, excuse me. Uh, Joseph Prince. Joseph Prince. Did well, you? I never said. No, I've never sent you a... Okay, I'm not familiar book. with him then. Okay, okay. Um, well, he has uh, this book out called Destined to Rain, and um, it's it's basically a, one of these teachings on grace that um, that highlights 
you know, the the dichotomy be, uh, between law and grace, you know, in the Bible. Yeah, and, I would have um, problems with that immediately. I don't. I, I'm just telling you, you know. I don't. I, I think that's, you don't. I think you don't have a problem. With, I do have a problem with it. That's what Luther was talking about. That's a. I would identify it as a manufactured dichotomy to create confusion. I'm serious, and I've studied that law and grace. It just doesn't work. It collapses. Pretty much. Well, I mean the. This, the scriptures do say things like, you know, um, things like, um, let me think how it says, uh, those who are in the law, huh? Yeah, but see, the, the premise is wrong because what they're doing, see, what we need to do is start with the book of James, because in the book of James, when he speaks about the law, the royal law, he's clearly talking about the Torah. The Protestant New Testament mindset, they're, they're not thinking along that way. They're thinking that he's referring to what they call the law of Christ. And he's wrong. He's actually referring to the Torah, and they don't understand that. They took the Torah, so the concept of it, uh, the Roman Catholic Church did away from Christianity, and the reason they did, they're trying to cover up that there was different sects of what was called Christianity. That, that's completely just making any sense to a Christian mind. There's different sects of Christianity, yeah. And they had um, what Protestants called Judaizers, unfortunately. They make it all negative. Yeah, I'm having, having a little difficulty trying to trying to hear you, man. Is it volume really low or something? That's interesting. But anyway, oh, there, okay, was, there was a sect, you know, a group of what we call Christians. They were what we call Messianics. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, right? And they right. kept the Torah, they kept the law of Moses up until the time that the temple was destroyed. Initially, they were in the majority they later became the minority, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but this has mm-hmm. been covered up because they want to push this concept of a new, they want to spiritualize the new covenant. It has nothing to mm-hmm. do with the land. What does it have to do with the land? It has precisely nothing to do with the land. And this is shocking because this is the historical position of the church, and nothing changed until the 20th century. In the 20th century, there was a shift, a market shift away from that because of dispensationalism in the, in the, in the 19th century, but it didn't really shift things until the 20th century. And it became so, popular so, view. That's the popular yeah. view now. Yeah. So you're saying, because, I mean, like, what, what, he's, what he's teaching on is, like, the dichotomy. When I mean dichotomy or just difference, I, I guess I would say better, would be, um, like, for example, if you compare Peter and John, um, Peter, you know, was one who would boast in his love for the Lord and, um, and was very self-conscious of his own sinfulness. And, um, and John considered himself the one whom Jesus loved, you know, and right. boasted in basically God's love for him, you know. And we look at the, uh, the, the effect of that kind of thinking. Uh, it's pretty obvious to me now that, that it's been revealed to me that there is kind of a, a, different response that one has uh, when things are when things are approached with uh, with an understanding of true grace like for example here's another one like you know uh, it was obvious what happened with with Peter and you know and John um, you know Peter was kind of like a uh, kind of a mess you know uh, one, one would say you know uh, one moment he's walking on the water the next he's denying the Lord the next he's jumping in the water to go see his risen Savior you know and forgetting about the fish that God obviously allowed them to catch. And John was kind of more patient, stayed in the boat, caught the fish, 
you know, eventually got to the shore, you know, and we don't know what, you know, what, what we do hear Peter saying, what about him? What about him? You know, still a mess. And it took Peter about three years to really get over his self-consciousness, you know, like um, thinking that, that it was about him. You know, if, if you remember the first time him and Peter um, had a, had a, an encounter, uh, Jesus and Peter, the, um, there's so many fish that his, his, his response was, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. You know, I, I don't really have anything to offer you, basically, you know. And we see Jesus now, you know, restoring Peter after denying him three times. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot with, you know, looking for translations with the correct, you know, uh, Greek or whatever, Hebrew, you know, getting the best out of the translation. Because we read it as, you know, Jesus saying, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And in response, Peter saying, yes, Lord, I, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. And we can't read it like that because in the original text, it's not like that, right? Would I be correct in saying that, that, that those obvious differences teach us something that we can learn from? Or? I'm actually multitasking the background. I'm writing a little email. Um, okay. You're saying that the, the uh, I'm probably assuming the original language is Greek. You're saying it's not translated correctly? Oh, I can't hear you at all, man. You're, you're... Oh, wow. Hey, Chuck, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, what do I sound like? Uh, so when you when it says you don't sound good, then you come back in real strong and then it fades away. It's like you're away from the microphone. Uh-huh. That okay. Okay, there I hear you better, whatever you Okay. I'm on, uh, I've got my uh, ear pods in, you know, I'm not on a speakerphone here. Anyway, yeah, Chuck yeah. or, you know, Eddie or actually anybody, uh, let me know if the audio is bad. I may have yeah, now it's much better. Okay, I'm not sure why it's shifting around like that. I normally doesn't do that. Okay. Now, just let me know if it's curious, okay? Especially you, Chuck, okay, if you're around. Yeah, okay. But text me if you leave. I should have told you he's on the line, but he was. I was already talking to him when he was actually That's fine. Cool. Yeah, I'm driving down there. Hey, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. I just want to say real quick. I'm sorry, Chuck. <clears throat> uh, that, um, you know, there's, there's obviously some truth in the... Uh, Law versus um, uh, grace concept. Okay, but mm-hmm. see, if you don't understand it, there's there's two major groups in first century apostolic Christianity. There's what we call uh, mistakenly called the Gentiles. That's just a Latin word. It's not in the Bible anymore. Okay. Right, right. I mean, Nephilim is a kind of a he- hybridized Hebrew word. Okay, and sometimes it's best to just skip those words. Don't translate them. Just like Hades, uh, Sheol. You know. Sometimes it's better to leave them untranslated, so that's what we do. And uh, it would be better to just leave that one alone because they screwed it up so much for that word Gentile. But basically, see, there's there's Torah observers and there's non-Torah observers. And so Luther assumed that Paul was speaking negatively about the law. Well, he was in a sense, but he was trying to discourage these people from becoming what we, this is unfortunate term, what we call today a Jew which is actually more than one thing. But in that, this is a religious context, not necessarily bloodline, because other people outside that bloodline could practice what we call Judaism, you know, first century Judaism before, you know, Jesus, you know? That was religion, yeah, right? That's yeah. I guess what we call it. It's not a technical term. I call it temple Judaism. But um, they suppressed all this. This is my opinion. And so Luther, he, did, he didn't understand 
And he used to get really frustrated. Like, he didn't like the Book of Kings because, just tell you flat out right now, you go research this, you Google it. He was perfectly aware that the Book of James directly contradicted his theology. He couldn't reconcile it with his theology, and here's the reason why. Because it's not reconcilable, but he, at least he understood that. But what he wanted to do was put it outside the canon. Now, he actually did that. Did you know that? He had his own canon. A lot of um, Protestants, the number one Protestant in Protestantism, is, is, you know who the number one Protestant is? It's Martin Luther. And then you've got people who want to call themselves a Protestant. Okay, you can't sidestep the number one guy in Protestantism, okay? According to Protestantism, Martin Luther is a heretic. And there's no question about that, because isn't it true that they all accept this canon of 66 books as being orthodox? At least they do today. They didn't in his day, but that's what people believe. That's what it's part of their religion. I mean, if, if I didn't, you know, believe in 66 books, they would seriously question why I'm a Christian if they didn't already question, you know what I mean? And this is an essential part of Protestantism, modern Protestantism. Well, Luther doesn't even measure up. Measure up. He thinks that, what did he call the uh, book of James? I think he called it straw. You could Google that. <laughs> I'll go by memory here. But he made a negative remark about it. And a modern Christian today would call him a heretic. That's what they do. You know what I mean? Like across the board. I mean, Christian apologetics ministry. So what I would call him a heretic. So what I'm trying to say is that um, these Christians, they just virtually ignore that. Anytime they have a problem, they just ignore it. And that's the easiest way. Oh, there's no problem at all. We just ignore the problem. Actually, they've never heard of the problem. That's their problem. They've never heard. They're not educated, and they don't know this. They don't know that he had a different canon. Okay, so anyway, I just wanted to say all that, but there's truth, there's truth in grace versus um, law. But uh, most of that truth that you're going to extract is trying to use that to explain these two different groups. The people that kept the entire law, nothing changed, and uh, the increasingly larger group who didn't. Unfortunately, Christians call one group Judaizers and the other group Christians. They don't acknowledge those people as Christians. Okay? But it's important to understand all that, obviously, if you're going to talk about law and grace, because now this is what's really important. This discussion that I just mentioned, a discussion about this information, go back through the centuries and see if this discussion has taken place among um, prominent people and uh, influential people in Christianity. There's one of two positions you can take. <laughs> Either it hasn't, or if it did, it was excised from history because you will not find it. Now, as a historicist, this is huge right now, because you're going to hold it here. This is a perfectly rational view. Why does the Christianity, why haven't they made an effort to try to suppress the view, for instance, in church councils, that there are actually two groups of Christians, at least two? You hear no discussion about whatsoever. If you're approaching this from a conspiratorial mindset, you're going to conclude, hopefully, this is suppression. Now, why are they suppressing it? Because this is true. And ultimately, this doesn't have to do with Illuminati. It doesn't have to do with dark angels. It has to do with God. And that's my firm belief, and I need to say that more on here. And it has to do with everything else that's going on. And uh, it was a judgment, and I was just saying today, 
there's never been a century where God didn't block the minds of his own people and make them spiritually stupid. When was there ever a century where God didn't do that to his own people? Do Christians think that way about Christians today? No, they don't. They think that God does that to the atheist or the unbeliever. Now, he's blocking their minds. And that's the reason they don't know it. But their minds are blocked. And I just want to say their minds have been blocked century after century. I mean, you've got to come up with some kind of explanation now, see, why hasn't the discussion taken place? Or why is there no historical record of this conversation, this dialogue? Or even, see, there's not even a condemnation. What there is is a wall of silence. Okay, so we have a wall of silence, and we have a conspiratorial mind. And what's going to happen when you combine those two things? What I just said, the obvious. The reason is the other people can't see it because they don't have a conspiratorial mind. They're not even looking. They're not even suspicious. So it's the same old thing. Okay, so anyway, what they've done, by the way, is made things complicated. And so you've got to have all these little side discussions to even put simple words like law and grace in proper context. Because if you're going to make it a proper analysis of what's going on here, you need to hear information that you haven't heard yet. Because that's how you make decisions. You've got to get more information on the table and go, hmm, there's more to consider here. See, we're not even hearing anything. So that's why I have to say this. Okay, so anyway, go ahead. Are you there, Eddie? Yes, I'm here. Where did Mike go? Did he get cut off? <laughs> um, Mike. I I think we lost him. Okay. Uh just run a check on him. Are you there, Chuck? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um well, let's have a little discussion on something so we don't have to. I'll be back everybody. in about I'll be back in about thirty seconds. Okay, thirty seconds. Let me let me call him again and 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 see what's up. Okay. All right. Don't hang up on. Okay, so I just want to reiterate something there. That's kind of profound. Uh according to uh modern Protestants, and notice how you will never see this. Okay. They're not supposed to think about this. Again, they're not hearing this. They're not educated. So they're not discovering themselves. But according to a modern Protestant, and this would be a 20th century Protestant. Hello? Just a second. Yo. Martin Luther would be a heretic, according um, to a modern Protestant. That's very important point. Dave. Martin Luther would be a heretic. Yeah, I can hear you. Yo, oh, I can't hear you that good. What's that? What'd you yep. say? We 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 can't hear you. That, we can't hear you that good. All right. Um, anyway, you're back, Mike. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I can hear you a little though. That's fine. All right. I wonder if it um, sounds worse at you guys' end than Chuck's end. Now, now you now you sound good. Now you sound Chuck, good. Hey, Chuck, are you there? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, hey, no. Am no. I, am, Am I going back and forth between sounding good and sounding really bad? Because I can call back in. No, yes, you are. All of a sudden, it's uh, like right now you sound fine, and then it goes real low, okay? And then they say something, and it, it goes back up high again. It's weird. So it's like you have a normalizer on there or something. 
Okay, what I'm going to do, um, why don't you just guys just talk with Chuck a little bit. I'm going to uh, call back in, okay? Oh, hold it. Okay. I got you guys. You got <laughs> forgot about that. I think it's your microphone, uh, Dave. Hmm. It's almost like it's almost like if you were talking into a speakerphone, like you walked away. Uh, you think it's bouncing around? I don't know. This is the Apple uh, one, so it, it, I normally don't get those kind of complaints. I was I thought I think I was sitting still before and it was doing that. Anyway, yeah. when I go soft, can you still hear me, or can you can't understand me? Yeah, yeah, I, I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. But, okay. It's, but it's like you're six feet away from the speaker when you go soft. All right. Well, I'm going to try to sit still here because sometimes when I walk around, I, I think you guys complain more. <laughs> anyway, so go ahead with what you were saying there, uh, if you can. Mike, do you have any, do you have any questions? Well, I mean, I have tons of questions. Uh, Melchizedek. <laughs> well, how come we have so little about him and, 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 and there's, there's, there's really no understanding about you know, uh, it says he came in the order of Melchizedek or something like that. Uh huh. Okay. One and uh, okay. Go ahead. No, no. I, I mean, my question basically is, how can we have so little and and you know, with 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 basically a, a prototype? I, I would guess you would say, you know, of Jesus. You you also have a Joseph who's kind of a prototype, you know, uh, savior. Okay. That's based on typology. That's all through the Old Testament. So you have that over and over and over again, over again. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we just don't have enough on Melchizedek to make any. Even what Hebrew says is very limited. How come? Well, like, why do I find this sect of believers called Israelites? Uh, have you heard of them lately? They were they still they consider themselves Israelites. You know, they they call the the foolishness of the gospel where people are going to be raptured as something that's foolishness. What do you believe in the rapture as far as and all that? Yeah. Okay. I'm real big on definition. So there's, there's two different, um, okay. Well, as far as pre post and, and well, during, gonna, I'll make it simple. Okay. I mean, you make, there's, there's two basic definitions. Everybody believes in a rapture, but you don't, you don't hear that. Okay. Well, the Israelites, these people, the sect of believers, called the, they, they call themselves Israelites. That's a, it's funny. I mean, and, um, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't believe in the rapture, you know? Okay. Well, there's, there's, two, there's two different views, okay? One view is that there's more than one event. There's more than one event. Okay? Dave. So the people Dave, we believe, can't, you can't hear me? Dave, we can't, we can't hear you that good. Oh, my God. I'm not moving around or anything here, so... Um, Hmm. Well, I, I heard something the other day that was very interesting. It said, you know, that uh, God's God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and uh, he delivered the Israelites uh, with a couple of, you know, plagues and stuff starting to happen already. He, you know, the people were still in Egypt, and uh, some of the plagues started already unfolding, you know, like the frogs and all that stuff. It just didn't really... It just didn't really affect them. It did affect their economy and stuff like that. But some of these things were already unraveled before the Red Sea actually opened up, and they they uh, they crossed over into you know what was Deliverance Land or the wilderness or whatever you want to call it. And um, you know, there's one study or teaching saying that 
the uh, the rapture will be like it was, you know, when the Israelites were delivered. Uh, you know, first there will be a couple of, you know, uh, judgments and um, hardening of the heart of the leaders of the world or whoever it is, you know, the Antichrist, whatever. Um, and, you know, and, and as far as the appearance of the Antichrist, you know, when is that supposed to come? Like, what what's, is that going to be like, you know, what do you, what's your opinion on it? You know what I'm saying? What, what do you think? How, how do I sound now? Sound pretty good. I mean, I, maybe Eddie can't. Yeah, Eddie can't. Eddie. No, it's pretty low still. Pretty low still, huh? Hmm. I don't know what to say here. That's my primary concern right now. I wonder... Now you're coming strong. Strong, strong, strong good. I'm wondering if it's... Something going on with this cord or something... I, I'm pushing it close uh, into the uh, phone, and I'm turning it. I'm to pretend to develop the problem there. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's it, though. But... Uh, those questions, uh, <laughs> let me go back to what I was saying about the rapture. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's, there's basically two groups. I'll try to keep it simple here. But, uh, people that believe there's, there's, there's more than one event. Okay. And uh, and there's people that believe there's only one of them. You know, come come. Oh, you're talking you're talking about the later day, the latter day, the latter day uh, rapture. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the first group I mentioned, some of them, such as the pre-tribulationalists, which are easily, there must be 85 percent of those people. They believe in a secret rapture. Okay, but right. not all of the not all the, not all the people who believe in two events believe in a secret rapture. For instance, if you believe in a um. Um, the tribulation that occurs before wrath, you know, pre pre wrath event. You heard of that? Pre wrath rapture. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't believe in a secret rapture. They believe it's out in the open. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the second group is what we call post tribulationists. They only believe in one event. Okay. Well, this is where it gets confusing. They don't have a problem with the rapture. The rapture, even though it's not in the Bible, it has to do uh, with just being caught up. Well, obviously, yeah, they're calling obviously, it. obviously that's going to happen at the second coming. Right. Nobody's denying that. Right. But what, uh, what dispensationalists and pre-tribulationalists do is they refer to the initial event as the rapture, and they create all this confusion. So they, they draw this false distinction between the rapture and the second event, which they call the second coming. The second coming, right? So you got see the different terminology. So you cannot just throw rapture out there and expect to get an answer, and then you make it a little bit more complicated because um, there's actually a third group or a variation of the first group, and that's where I come in. Okay. I believe in a literal second coming, and I believe in the rapture as an important component of that, just like the um, obviously the resurrection. You got basically three yeah. things going on there. Two of them are major and one of them is minor. The resurrection is huge. The rapture pales in comparison. All you're doing is being caught up in the air. You know, it's very sensational, but that doesn't change you. The resurrection is what changes you. And the big event, of course, is not man, but Christ coming. Okay, so I believe in a rapture. But also the Bible clearly talks about what I call an exodus rapture. Okay? And okay, so, so it has some correlation with exodus a little bit? Yeah, but the other two groups don't talk about it because they've never heard of it. 
They simply have never heard. There's no discussion in Christianity. Here's the thing. There's nobody in Christianity trying to disprove a doctrine of an Exodus rapture. They never heard of it. Okay? (laughs) Which initially... See, I'm going with with the model here, the working model, that God is um, doing what he's always done to his own people. Uh, He doesn't tell them about the... um, what's going on around the corner. Uh, yeah. He tells a few people. It's the same. Now, this is all through the, this is in the Bible. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be different, you know, if it was kind of revelation that's not in the Bible anywhere. So now it really just comes down, because we got the passages, it's just, are we interpreting it correctly? And all I'm doing is interpreting literally and, you know, saying they're unfulfilled and, and putting them on a timeline. Now, this is interesting right. because the historical view of the institutional Christian church uh, up until the 20th century, it was dominated by replacement theology, okay? They don't make any allowances for this because they say everything was fulfilled in the first century. This is shocking. And anything that appears to be a literal fulfillment that has to do with the church and the Old Testament, they spiritualize every text, every single one of them. Right. Not, they don't take anything literally, and they don't put, put anything uh, physically beyond the first century so that you, you have no doctrine for it. It's, and so naturally... See, all the Bible commentaries hold to this until they were influenced by dispensational theology, so they're never going to interpret it as a liberal event, and, and they didn't, because they had a false hermeneutic. They were spiritualizing these texts, which are intended to be literal, and they have to do with the restoration of Israel. And they didn't understand that because they had a theology that they inherited. It was actually antagonistic to that, and I'm saying it was deliberate to cover things up. And you'll see the same pattern over and over and over again. When it comes to Metalzadeh, uh, it's like anything else. They offer up a theological um, <clears throat> smorgasbord, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of times the true reality is not mentioned. You, they'll give you like uh, two two false choices, or they'll give you six or seven. Sometimes they don't want you to have more than two choices, but the answer is not there. Now people are actually going to assume that of these six or so seven choices, one of them must be true. Yeah, and they do this over and over again. Because they, they have the opposite view of what I think the biblical view is. We're under, um, oh, we're actually in captivity. If, if you're in captivity, it comes down, are you in captivity or are you not? All Christians are right. in captivity. The proof is in the scriptures. How, all you do is take it literally and put it on a proper timeline. You can see this in um, Ezekiel 34, it's referring to us. We're in captivity and we need to be delivered. And um, then when that happens, then things will begin to change. But until that, we're under a curse, and our minds are blocked. And right. God speaks to a few people. Now, this is going to be interpreted as elitism. That's and right. And is, it's because of the Protestant mindset that is opposed to any kind of extra-biblical revelation. If you claim to have anything that, you know, the church fathers didn't have or the great Protestant reformers, the standard is measured against them, and you, in their, in their mind, you're an egocentrist that's exalting yourself above all the great ones. <laughs> See, that's why, that's why, that's why I don't like to tell people certain things that I feel like you know the Holy Spirit has revealed to me. Um, can I, can I share with you one, and you tell me, you tell me whether. Just real quick, I want to say something. What you do, you sidestep all that. I said we don't need to discuss, you know, me or them or anything. It has to be with God. 
Right. This is what God did. This is what God's doing. Let's just focus on God, and then we can focus on the scriptures and don't care yeah. about all Luther and everything else. Okay, so or me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I really don't, to be honest with you. When you're, when you're going through all the history of, you know, why things are the way they are, I, I kind of blanked out because honestly. I don't even pay attention to all that. What I do is I try to decipher the truth from, from the scriptures that I, you know, and the best of the interpretations that I've heard. So, you can actually make it more simple. See, that is, I'm appealing to an objective source, uh, but you can make it a lot more simple. You know what a chemtrail is, right? A chemtrail? Yeah, I've heard of that. Okay. Well, it, it's, it's a chemical poison in the sky. It's undeniable. Yeah, you, okay? you believe that that's really happening? Well, just Google it. Go to Google Images, and the evidence is irreparable. So you basically have two camps of people on Earth. Mm-hmm. The people who have mm-hmm. heard and the, the people who haven't. Or there's a third group that has heard but has not done any thinking. In other words, they, they just look at the pictures, and they don't think at all. I guess I guess it would be a third group. But the evidence is so everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do any yeah, thinking, critically think. yeah. and you inject God, there's no way that all, see, all of the, here's the idea. All of God's people are being sprayed with poison every day. Our water is poison, our food is poison, our air is poison, the soil is poison, and um, they're hitting with frequency weapons, okay? Now let's well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Slow down, slow down. How could we not be under a curse from God? Are there any well, I, Christians that God's protecting? He's not protecting well, I, I, I can, yeah, I can understand as far as us being in captivity, as far as, you know... See, that uh, right there, that none of us have, everything. But Christians yeah, don't believe of, it. They don't, they don't believe any of this. Now, the yeah, ones... Well, get, just a second. The ones that have understood that we're being sprayed by chemtrails, none of yeah. them have developed a theology to explain this. The first person to emerge let me know. I've seen nobody. So they have no theology. They have nothing. So you have to insert God. When you do that, you're going to have a theology now to try to explain this. It's going to have to do with a theology of suffering. Okay, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, there's some things that I think, you know, us as believers, even in this world that we live in, is beyond our control. You know, uh, um, oh, absolutely. You know, so, I mean, what, what can I do about chemtrails? You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, I'm just trying I'm, I'm, to say that if God, if God is allowing all Christians to be sprayed with chemtrails, then you're going to have to make an adjustment in your perception of how God's people are perceived by God. Yeah, you we're know how not, I see it? We're in a judgment. I do, I, yeah, but I do see that God gives divine protection to people, man. You know, do you... Oh, see, okay, yeah, so, I mean, okay, this is why I have to use the word corporate over and over again. See, I'm not talking about individuals, even though I mentioned individuals. I said yeah. this is happening to all Christians, and so that's a group, and I use the word corporate. All of us are under this curse, this judgment, and God is not helping any of us. Now, the only thing that God is doing is informing people that this is going on, and there's an increasing number of people, and then he's educating a few of them to take certain steps that they can use to um, protect themselves from the chemtrails. But what I'm saying, he's not taking the chemtrails away, Okay. That's important. So let me ask you a question. What, what's going on? Because, I mean, I've heard this before, and I've, you know, I've kind of dismissed it, but um, can you tell me a little bit more about what's really happening with the countries? Why are they doing this? How, how did it start? And, and well, what's in the, what's in the stuff? Forget, let's forget about them. I need to say something I've never said on the show. God has trained his own people with chemtrails. Now, use your Bible to prove that wrong. Now, I know what, 
I know what I know exactly where to go to prove this point, and Christians don't talk about these passages. Go ahead, go ahead and give me that passage. I, I want. I'll, I'm interested in hearing. All right. I got to get my glasses on here. Right. Because um. <clears throat> Look, I mean, what's funny is that you say that, right? But what about what about what about you know you being able to for protection, you know, from this stuff. But didn't, didn't God supernaturally, before you answer the question, didn't God supernaturally protect the Israelites in the wilderness, even when all these things were happening? Yeah, and he also, and, gives, the prom- he also gives the promise that he's going to do the same thing. Okay, th- the problem is here, we don't have the favor of God. When you have the favor of God, you have protection. When you don't have the favor of God, you don't have protection. I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about corporate yeah, yeah. If we, it's real simple. Now, watch how simple this is. If we had the protection of God, well, obviously we wouldn't be sprayed by chemtrails. Now, that wasn't hard, was it? So, if we are getting sprayed by chemtrails, again, obviously we don't have the protection of God. That doesn't even make any sense. Now, I, 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 I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Didn't God give us the earth as an inheritance? Uh, he gave that to Adam. Okay. Right. And that doesn't mean that the same, same, the same. Um, how would you say it? Is a fivefold, fivefold. Uh, how would you say word that God spoke over man? He said, "Be fruitful, replenish, subdue the earth." You know, uh, you know the rest of it. You know how it goes. And wouldn't that apply to all men? Okay, you got to understand that was before the curse. The whole world of earth is. Is there anything that isn't cursed? Can you think of anything that isn't cursed? Um, let me think. Let me think. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go real That's a good question. That's a really good question. The only thing that's not cursed is the Word of God. How about that? Actually, there's a lot of bad interpretations. You've got to define the Word of God. You know, the Bible does not totally define the Word of God. Protestants do that all the time. They assume there's this nice, tight, little depth. It talks about the word, the, the word of God in more than one sense. When Christians speak about the word of God, what's the Pentecostals? They're always talking about the biblical text, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Bible speaks about the word of God in other contexts, and they act like this. Right. It's not in the Bible anymore. Right. Well, come on. Let, let's get real. I mean, the Old Testament's pretty big, okay? Yeah. So, but when, you say, when you say the, when you say the word of God, the word... The word of God is in other contexts. What do you, what I'm do you gonna, mean? By I'm going to explain it. So the ahead. Old Testament is pretty big, right? And you've got Old Testament prophets who spoke about the word of God. They they heard right. the word of God. The word of God was given to them. Okay. Well, was right. that were they quoting a Bible? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So no, God was speaking to them. They said, "Well, but that thing, that's the word of God." Okay. Okay. So only the things that they wrote down were the word of God. What does it say that in the Bible? It does not say that oh, anywhere. Right. So I, I can literally say that, you know, a word of God came to me because, you know, I heard a voice in my head tell me to do this. Or to, well, see, there you that. go. That, see, that's perfectly, that's perfectly. But is that the same word of God that came to Moses? <laughs> it could have been. Who knows? Uh, you know it, what I'm saying? It, no. It's on a completely you different know, level. Well, we you don't know, know why. why, why, you know why, 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 why do we, why, why we distinguish Moses from from us because he was human well, just like us. I'll, I'll, you know what I'm saying? I think I think if he would have, a lot of times we think that 
we think that, let me, let me say something real quick. A lot of times we think that God spoke to the Old Testament saints with an audible voice, Moses, Moses, take off, you know, because we hear that on TV and stuff, you know, and we fail to sometimes see that even in the book of Hebrews, it mentions the Hall of Faith of Fame, you know, those people who were mentioned by God in Hebrews. Uh, all of them were people who struggled to really hear, is this really God speaking to me? And so it, it, begs, it begs to differ the question, you know, is there an audible voice that these Old Testaments were hearing, or, or were they really struggling, you know, is this God, you know? And, and, and to put things on an even playing field, I, I honestly feel that they struggled just to hear God in the same way we think, is this the voice of God, or am I going crazy, is, you know? So I... I I know that they receive signs, and obviously, you know, you spend time with a risen Savior on the on the on the on the, on the, the side of the lakeshore and staring at him eating fish, you know, and seeing him resurrect, and and you know, you, you're going to be a little different, you know. That's the reason why I believe Paul was had had a, a lot of more, like, uh, he could do more for Christ, was because of his encounter with Jesus. He had a much different encounter with Jesus than the other disciples. They walked three and a half years with him, and Jesus literally slowly revealed himself to the disciples, but Paul had a, here you go, here I am, I'm, I'm the key in a vision, and struck him blind, you know, these guys didn't have that, that, that encounter with Jesus, you know, so I, I believe that your encounter with Jesus is what, is what helps you realize, is this God speaking to me or not, you know what I'm saying, um, Peter struggled with it for a long time, you know, he wasn't sure, and if you look at Paul, man, his, his conversion and his, it's not like any other other disciples or any other apostles. His, his, his conversion was totally different. You know, you can almost place it on another realm, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in the fact that the way God reveals himself to you is going to be in, in almost in reciprocation of how you respond, you know? Um, Sometimes, you know, what do you think? You know, do you think that God reveals himself fully to people sometimes or he slowly begins to unfold his, his glory to people? Because I know for me in my life, in my life when I was, you know, my, in, my, in my brother's funeral, I tasted the love of God in his presence, even though nobody had really taught me truly, truly, truly the gospel for what it was. Yeah, I was, I was Catholicized and I did all that, but I really never loved God or knew the word of God for what, you know, for, for the, the written text that we have in the Bible, you know, but it wasn't, like I said, until those revelations and those, those manifestations of his presence came in my life, helped me to realize, wait a minute, this is real. I, I ain't going crazy. I'm not flipping out. You, you know, I think all of us have this moment where we're like, is this really happening to me? You know, can, can you expound on me? Like, you know, why you think that these people are so different because, you know, God gave them a ten, uh, table of 10, 10 commandments. He could have done that to you. You know why? Why do we elevate other? Why do we elevate other people above? Oh no, 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 no! There was one man predestined by God to do all that, and none of us can do that. Only Moses. He didn't have a backup for Moses in case he failed. He only had one Moses, just like he only had one Pharaoh, and he raised up one Pharaoh to do all that. And Pharaoh did everything that God wanted him to do. He had to fulfill. Right. That, that was his divine choice, and and he and that he was not going to let anything stand in that way. Obviously, when you have uh, how would you say a providence? You know, is that, is that the correct way to say it? A providence back in your life? You know, God's will is going to happen no matter what. You can't resist God's will, you know? Well, I don't want to go into all that. But anyway, when it comes to Moses, um, you have to, what the Protestants are not doing, the modern Protestants anyway, they're not drawing proper distinction between uh, qualitative um, gifting there. And God doesn't 
they think that God speaks and treats everyone equally if he turns this over and over again. The Bible is completely against this. They don't have any concept of hierarchy. So there, there's a huge difference qualitatively uh, between you know, God speaking to Moses and God speaking to any of us. It's on a completely different level. Okay, uh, I'm gonna prove you wrong. I'm gonna prove. I'm gonna prove you wrong. Just a second before you do that. Is there any man that God prepared 40 years in the wilderness before God spoke to him like that? Remember, he didn't even see the burning bush. He had to be 40. No, no. I think I think what's happening here, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is you elevating Moses above me. He's just a man, just like me. Okay. As a matter of fact, Peter had the same problem. And when Peter saw Moses and Elijah standing with Jesus, he said, let's build a tabernacle here. I mean, and Jesus, the voice of God came and said, shut up. This is my son. Listen to him. Isn't that not true? Okay, no, I got a question for you. Show me one other man where God said, you shall be as an Elohim to Moses. Is there any other man that God spoke to his works to? Now, before you... No, it's not, it's, not, it's, not revealed, it's not revealed in the Bible, but that doesn't mean that God didn't have that up in his sleeve. Just a second. There's one more thing. Okay? The Bible play, creates a category of one, a category of one for Moses. And it specifically says that God never spoke to any other man face-to-face like he did with Moses. Oh, that's, I, I believe that. I believe that. I believe he singled out Moses and... Okay. I do, but 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 that was a precursor for what we have now. Who Jesus is the final word. See, see, we we a lot of times Christians will elevate another saint, and that's why that, that's how I that's how I started in this freaking Catholicism, man. You know, uh, uh, elevating saints and praying to Mother Mary. I mean, come on, that that's what caused me to almost vomit when my brother died. You know. That's what I think you're overreacting to that. That's that's something different. No, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's really dangerous to elevate yeah. one man over another man. I know that God did it, but we don't need to put Moses on another plane. Yes, God was God. God, God chose Moses, but in the same way, He could choose you to do great work too. It doesn't mean that Moses was any more special okay. than any of us. Okay, Mike, you got some issues there with hierarchy, like most Christians. Okay, you got okay. Okay, so okay, man, maybe it's my pride, but I I just want to learn, you know. Okay. So. What do you uh, think? Now, in the scripture, it talks about the man. They talked about, they asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Is the least of us, the one who serves. Jesus talked about those who would sit on his right and his left. And then Jesus right. also spoke about mm-hmm. the man who was the least in the kingdom of mm-hmm. heaven. Now, everybody else mm-hmm. is in between those two, and it has to do with right. merit. And it's no different mm-hmm. here. Now, here's the reason why. Christians uh, mm-hmm. ignore this. They don't know the Bible that well. It says in Scripture that every man has not only a measure of grace, but a measure, a measure of, of faith. faith. Okay? Right. And this applies for every man. Nobody's equal. Now, see, what we're not thinking here is what is, this doesn't have to do with man. Everything has to do no, with I'm, man. No, I'm, 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 I'm saying, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I'm saying we're equally loved by God. No, 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 no we're not. You see? Okay, all right, all right. Okay, now what else is Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Just a second. Go ahead. Is it every man is created by God in different levels? God doesn't give anybody equally. He's never done this. This is a trick from the devil that's fooled almost everybody. I want to just tell you, none of the Protestant believers, uh, Protestant uh, teachers, none of the believers, they all agree with me. So it's just becoming familiar with biblical teaching. That's all it is. We're not educated, so we have to figure it out. For some people, it may take 15 years. It may not happen at all. That's all it is. 
I mean, but isn't the love of God a generic thing that, that you know, why, why would God treat one person one way and, and not treat another person another way? You know, I mean, on this, on, that's the only way God works. God doesn't work any other way. Say it again. Did he, did he, God does not work any other way. Did he work that way with Jacob and Esau? Did he work that way? I'm losing you. Did he work that way in what? He said that Esau, he hated, right? Jacob, he loved. He didn't treat them fairly, did he? According mm-hmm. to modern Christianity. This is before they were yeah. born. This is the second. Yeah, this is yeah, before yeah. they were born, right? They weren't born yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh-huh, so when uh-huh. they were I born, think... when they were uh-huh. born, according to scripture, the favor of God was 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 with Jacob, but not with Esau. Uh-huh. They had now it actually says before they had done anything, good. Okay, but hold on, you're you're, ta- you're talking to me about pre-cross. You know, uh, God is not angry with us, and He's not favoring one person over another. God has fulfilled His wrath on the body of Christ. So how can He now on this side of the cross treat one man over another? You know what chemtrail is? It's a manifestation of God's wrath. You know what poison food is? Actually, everything, your entire environment is a manifestation of God's wrath. Your entire environment is antagonistic biological organisms. Now, how can that not be the wrath of God? It's against everybody. There's nobody at stake. Okay? But that's, that's the fall of the curse. That's the, that's the, that's the curse that we were living okay. in. We're under the curse right now. Genesis, right. the church has failed. See, there, they still... The way that theology teaches that you're out from under the curse because of the cross. And now we know this can't possibly be true. First of all, everybody's well, still dying, right? We're still dying. That's right. the primary issue with the curse is death. It hasn't been removed. Yeah. Christmas yeah. is delusional. Well, that's the same reason the why we still got to work. The most, the most obvious thing is that you live and die. They give you an end, and they're denying that. That's, that's delusional. You see that? Right. Well, I mean, so... You don't talk about so, that in church. You know that. They don't talk about Genesis 2. So, yeah, I know. I have heard a lot about, about you know, people saying that you're delivered from the curse uh, from Genesis because, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's not true. That is absolutely not true. Okay. Why, did, why does Paul call it the ministry of death? Okay, you're going to get what is, complicated what, now because you're talking about the law in a negative sense, like Paul did. What Paul did? Well, well, I mean, we know he was talking about we know he was talking about the tablets because it says it was written in tablets. The epistles are written to different groups of people. Hebrews and the book of James is written to Torah observers. That's why they're called Hebrews. Okay. Everything else okay. is written to non-Torah observers. And in these epistles, which are primarily from Paul, he's discouraging them from keeping the law. Now, it's permissible if they want to take on this burden, it's a huge burden, he's trying to discourage them, okay? And so this mm-hmm. is the true reason why he speaks, quote-unquote, negatively about the law, because he's trying to discourage them. And why does it say that those who receive an abundance of grace will rule and reign in this life? It doesn't say that in the Bible. Okay, let me let me find the scripture. I mean, that's like a right there. But... Okay. It, it may not be word for word, but it says through the uh, through the receiving of abundance of grace. You know, okay. just look up the word. Just look up. The, see, maybe you can find it for me because I'm I'm on my phone. It says uh, rule rule and rule and reign rule and reign. 
Okay, when you study uh, biblical theology, uh, you'll see that scholars refer to a, uh, a strong principle of Pauline theology, which is called now, but not yet. He speaks um, of realities as if they have already occurred. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes they may be a reality in a limited sense, but other times he's speaking as an Old Testament prophet in what's called the prophetic purpose. A good example of that, two times in the book of Isaiah, uh, it says, um, I, am, I am doing, I am doing a new thing. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, replacement theology says, oh, yeah, it was also still in Christ the first century. A bit of a context has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the future. And it's unfulfilled. So why is God speaking about something that has, it can be thousands of years in the future, and he speaks in the present. The scholars say that that's the way they used to speak back then. It's, it's to, the theory is, what scholars say, it's, it's to emphasize certainty. It's certain. Even though it hasn't happened yet, God speaks of it in the present as if it is now saying Paul is doing the same thing. So it's a little bit complicated, okay? We can't approach all these things with a layman's mind. Um, every person has to be educated. It's going to take years to figure these things out. They're complicated. Once you start to get the background on how to interpret these passages, it gets increasingly complicated. You go, you know something? I'm a bit over my head here. I need to go study for five years. Most Christians don't know this. They believe that they can get an education from local church attendance. I don't, I'm not aware of any churches that educate the people. <laughs> no, I, you got to read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. Let me ask you a question, because I mean, I, all since I started, I've been reading the Bible. I've never stopped. You know, I, church is not really the one who feeds me. I have a self-feeding mechanism. You know, where I read the Bible on my own and I pray. And um, I, I, like I said, I you know, I've come to a point in my life now where um, you know I, I I don't really rely on the church to 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 teach me all the time. When the when the voice of the of the spirit kind of tells me this is truth here. You need, you need to listen. You know, um, I feel conviction. Typically doesn't the, doesn't the Bible say that the, the Holy spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. Yes, but he's speaking to the elect. That's, that's, most Christians don't know that. So would that not be me? Would that not be me? Just a second. You have to get a revelation to know whether you're elect or not. Okay. Okay. You okay. Look at first John, it says, uh, you know, dear brethren, we don't need teachers, you see, for we all know. Right. And, and it's funny how Christians will latch on that passage and they'll reply it to themselves on Facebook and say, I don't need a teacher. Is that what the Bible teaches? What is talking? No, no, he gave us, listen, 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 he said he gave us apostles, teachers, preachers, evangelists, and, and you know, all that. He gave us a five-fold ministry. I'm not stupid. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, they don't even understand what he's talking about. He's speaking to the elect. Okay, now the elect of the remnant. Okay, that's all. Oh, we can understand that. Okay, because we don't talk about the Western church. But it's kind of funny because um, if you look at the epistles, who are they written to? The elect. And who are the promises to? The elect. In fact, everything's for the elect. I mean, if, if, if the epistles are written to the elect, then everything's for the elect, okay? So what you're saying is the elect is not the common day believer? Just a second. He says, he's talking about information, right? Mm -hmm. He says, we all know. Now, show me one group of people anywhere that knows everything. Is there any group of people anywhere that knows anything? No. So he can't be speaking about that. What is he speaking about? I'll just say right now. He's speaking about essential truth. 
the essentials that you must believe. Every single elect person must have every one of these essentials. And guess what? They all do. Every single one of them. You know where they got them all? God. He gives it as a package, but only to the elect. That's the secret. Now, do we talk about that in church? We think that's true. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do hear that in church. I, that comes in the package when you when no, you get saved, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. Uh, in churches, they believe that most, either everyone can be elect, or most people are elect, and that's that's not true. Theoretically, you could have a local church where most people are elect. But what makes the, what makes a person elect or not elect, whether they have faith or not, basically, right? No, oh, it has nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing to do with that whatsoever. So what's the difference between what's the difference between you know for God so loved the world and whosoever and then you know uh, uh, the elect? Well, you have to spend time executing that path because there's all kinds of problems. The Christians read everything into that. Okay, mm-hmm. these are not Christians who believe in predestination. Okay, the guys at the football game holding up that sign, they don't believe in predestination, and, and they're not even Armenians. They're what's called Pelagians. Okay? They think that they can determine their destiny by their own will. Okay? <clears throat> so that's why they use that path. But, you know, the church is not too smart, right? So what's the number one passage that they use in the church? Is there any passage that they use more, quote more, than John 3.16? Okay, so John 3.16 is it, yeah. We, we got people who don't know very much. They're not educated. There's no evidence that they've ever been educated. Okay? And this right. is the number one passage. Now, we are supposed to assume that they know how to interpret this passage correctly? No. Why would you assume that? So what I'm saying, before it even started, there are major problems with their interpretation of that passage. They're just saying, you know, God loves everybody, and salvation is for everyone. Is that what the Bible teaches? The, the, absolutely it does. It says that God loves everyone and wants everyone to come to repentance. What? What? So, so... So, so God doesn't want everyone to be saved. I mean, I, I get it. I get okay. it that He has raised now, some for wrath. Okay. But you got an Old Testament view. Wait, wait, wait. No, let me speak now. You got, you got a, you, you, you got. To, you're scaring me, man. Because when I hear on this side of the cross the grace of love, you know what it makes me do? It makes me want to be a better person. You know why? Because I, I feel that I, I don't deserve this. But man, this, this is grace, man. This is God's love, man. You know what I'm saying? And so, so I could see that changing me now. Now, your view is causing me to be scared, man, just by listening to you. It's an Old Testament view on the way God sees the world, man. And, 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 and look, and not, not for nothing, man, I, you know, I get you, bro. You know, you, I'm sure you've read the Bible, and you get to a point sometimes where you've got to lay back off the Bible, man, and just chill, 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 because I hear, I, when, I, when I hear you speak sometimes, you, you, you go into, like, the history of things before you answer a question, and it's, it's overwhelming, dude. It's, it, you're not really hitting, hitting, you know, you're not really, you're not really feeding my, my okay. curiosity. What, what, my thing was, what, again, again, my thing was elect versus whosoever. What, what, what's the difference between, you know, because, um, you know, I, it is interesting what you say where it's like, it's, uh, you got to understand, too, that, that I'm not angry. Well, I'm just very passionate about this. And, and when I hear something that shocks me, I, you know, I, I need to, I need to say something. So, um, it does say that even for the elect's sake, some might be deceived by the Antichrist, right? So, Let's talk okay, about so. The let, me, let, me, let me deal with that. I need to say something, okay? 
Um, Go for it. You're trying to say that this, this love of God is available to all men. So if you have a doctrine that God's love is available to the Antichrist, this is what you believe, correct? No, 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 no. Oh, oh, oh. He's predestined, but he's predestined. It's already written in the book. And we don't know who else God, we don't know who, okay, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right in the fact that God has predestined some to wrath. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with that. But to those who haven't, is that what, is that what you're calling who the elect is? Those who have not been predestined to wrath? The elect is, yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. Okay. So that's not hard to swallow. Okay, when I, when I talk about history, what I'm doing is I'm putting things, in, in my estimation, this is the proper context before you can even right. discuss. I can't have a okay. conversation. Because okay. I, I don't assume that people are going to know these the, the things that I'm talking about are absolutely vital. But so when people hear them, they don't, you don't need to talk about all that, Dave. Well, that's, that's like I said, I just react sometimes. I don't, you know, I, I, I'll tell you what I'm thinking and why it kind of like, it disturbs me, you know. Like I want, I want to know the truth, and I want to, I want to be able to understand why you feel that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I'm willing to listen. You know, I don't want to argue. I just basically, I'm willing to listen. So go, go ahead if you have more in your heart. Uh, what? Okay. First of all, you're talking about John three sixteen. This is a simple layman's error. Okay. He doesn't draw a distinction between first and secondary causes. It's real simple in scripture. Uh, sometimes it will talk about first causes, but most of the time it will talk about secondary causes. Now, there, if you have a scripture that only is talking about secondary causes, uh, you always have prevenient causes or causes that go before in the background. That doesn't mean they have to mention them every single time in scripture, so we know that we're talking about secondary causes. It's typically evident by the context, okay? Uh, what is John 3.16 talking about? Is that is that talking about secondary causes? It says who who whosoever may come. Okay. 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 That's talking about secondary causes. It has absolutely nothing to do with the decree of God. Does it? Does it mention the decree of God? Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So what you trying to say is John three says God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You're saying that's not for whosoever. First of all, it's virtually it's only... impossible. It's virtually impossible to use the Bible to prove. That when it says world, it's speaking about the entire inhabited earth. No man can do that. Now, there's a reason why. It's because it consistently uses the same word in a much narrower context. So now we have the problem. We don't even get this far, by the way. Uh, is it talking about the entire earth? Is it talking about the known earth? Or is it talking about Israel? Because it's actually I think, I, I, I think if you put it in the context which he was saying, it's pretty simple because if you read, keep reading, it it kind of it kind of goes to the point where if you don't believe, you stand condemned already. So this is the whosoever is those who believe. Okay, so not everybody loves everybody so much. They have to, uh, Jesus went to the cross. He wanted to save everybody. Okay, so that's that's not and everybody who believed. Everybody who believed. Everybody who believed. That, that's that's the context. Are we not saying that if you stand if you don't believe you stand condemned already? That's not in the that's not in the scripture following that? Okay, so you think that God did something to try to save somebody in Australia before a missionary? After Christ Say that again, say that say, say, say it again, say it again. He, do you believe that he made an effort to save someone in Australia uh before the missionaries came because God loved them so much? Before the missionaries came. I don't understand the, the context of the question. Well, they had to hear the Australia? word of God. There we go with the word of God, okay? 
Or they haven't heard the word of God in Australia. Okay, I got you. Okay, I'm following you. Go ahead. Let's say that 2,000 years have gone by, and right. this would be like in the 4th century. Yeah, okay, I got you. I know where you're going with this. So you're basically so, telling me they never heard the word of God, so uh, what happens yeah, to them? Every single person that's living there in the 1st century, I want you to show me one single thing that God's doing to save them. Well, here's the thing. I mean, very simple. The gospel was supposed to start in Jerusalem and go out to the rest of the world. Is that, is yeah. that not, not yeah. correct? I mean, it, okay. So when it gets to them, they have their chance. But until then, God has to judge them according to Romans. Romans says that those who have been given the law, you know, uh, they basically, uh, they're, they're responsible because they, they, they got the law. And those who haven't had the law, that when they don't do the things that, that people who are, you know, rebellion, rebellion with the law, they prove to the, to, to the other person that not having the law, that their consciousness were condemning the other person who did have the law. So God, God, God can rightfully judge somebody who has never had the law to begin with. That's the point. Okay, the well, point is that the point is the point is that I'm trying to say is that if somebody never heard the gospel, yeah, you this is a very valid question that you're saying. Like if a baby had never heard it or somebody from a distant land that never heard the gospel, how do they get saved on that side of the cross? Well, it, didn't didn't God preach to the captives? Didn't Jesus preach to the captives? You're you're drawing a you're trying to correlate those two passages there. Okay, okay. that's what I'm saying is is incredibly simple. Sometimes it's just really simple. Okay. 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 Um, okay. That view of of uh, John three sixteen is that God is trying to save the whole world. That, you can easily prove that if He's not doing it with one person or ten people. What I'm saying is, uh, He was not saving these people. They didn't get saved. Not one single person got saved before a missionary showed it. That went for centuries. So here's the thing: He's either trying to save the whole world or He's not. And if He's not, He's only trying to save a part of the world. And that is going to, the application of John 3.16 just went right down the plane. But if he's not, if he can prove objectively that there's no evidence whatsoever that he's trying to save these people in Australia at this century, that you can't, you, that's, that's an abuse of that text. It's a distortion, okay? I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm having difficulty swallowing that because, because he was speaking to a teacher of the law. Okay. Is it a part of the world that he's trying to save or the whole world? Do you still believe he's trying to save the whole world after the cross? I believe yeah. he, I, I, under yeah. the context, under the context, it's anybody who believes, a whosoever is anybody who believes. If okay. you stand and you believe, you... A lot of people are confused. They don't realize that you can interpret Scripture with extra-biblical information. This happens all the time. It happens to I'm, I'm within the same paragraph. How can I? How can you say that I'm using extracurricular activity or any anything other than? I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm two sentences under that. I'm, I'm not. Two sentences. Here, here's the thing. I'm not appealing uh-huh. to scripture. The reason okay. I'm doing this, I'm I'm appealing to a self-evident, irrefutable fact. Now, what you need to do is refute this and produce some evidence that he was trying to save these people. If you can't do that, then you cannot prove he's trying to save the whole world. You're focused on the text and you're ignoring history. The witness of history cries out, that cannot be true. It cannot be all. It has to be only part of the world. But these parts of churches, they don't believe that. It's the whole world. Would I not? Would I not? Okay, I got you. Perfect. I'll give you the scripture. Ready? Didn't Jesus say, and all those who will believe in me? Yes. Oh, hey. 
So you just asked me to produce a scripture that would tie those two people together. Jesus didn't say in all, didn't Jesus pray for the believers who would come to believe in him? You cannot save yourself. That's what you don't seem to understand. You believe that you can save yourself. Well, of course, yeah, of course I understand you can't save yourself. I just finished telling you about grace and law. By the way, you don't have to go back to the 5th century. You can start right now. You can start this very minute. There are people all over this earth that God is going to do absolutely nothing for them. Now, he, he needs to do one thing. They need to hear the gospel so they can respond to it. So the question is, does God give the gospel to every man? Now, does he do that today? Because you cannot get saved according to Paul. And Paul says in Romans 10, 9, how will they know without a preacher? They won't know. They'll right, go right, to hell. Right, they have to right, know why. Right. Because you have to respond to information. What is this information? No, 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 no. You're saying, you're saying that if somebody didn't get the law, that they're going to hell? I, I beg no, to differ. I'll tell you right now. I didn't say law. I, well, then what are we saying? That the word of God is... Uh, what, what, What's the difference? Do you believe you could go to hell, uh, excuse me, go to heaven without the gospel, hearing the gospel? Repeat the question again. Do you believe that you, you think can you... go to heaven without responding to the gospel? Of course not. You have to be born again, Jesus said. Okay, then the salvation is not for the entire world because you have to hold to the absurd view that God's giving a man every opportunity to hear the gospel. He's not well, wouldn't, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be anyone who believes? Because I feel like I'm being singled out because it like what it matters is God is God giving the gospel to every man. That's what that's all that has to do with. Is he or is he? Okay, I got you, I got you, I got you. If he's not, then it's only part of the world. You see that? So you're saying so you're saying that God has one standard for one for a part of the world. It doesn't and have to do with standards, it has to do with facts. Those are just self evident Yeah, but no, wait a minute, wait a minute, because it's showing me what you're showing me is that is that God has okay, so you so you're basically saying there's there's the church, there's Gentiles, there's the Jew, and there's those who fall in that other category. Just, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that every man has an opportunity to be saved right now? Today. Do I believe that every man has an opportunity to everyone, be saved? On everyone, this side, everyone that is alive right now, if they haven't heard, they have the opportunity at some point. God's giving uh -huh. the opportunity. That's what you have to believe in. You have to believe in that. Yeah, they, 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 have, they, ha they, have they have to hear the gospel. They have yeah, to. They can't not be saved. So, yes, see, these there's, people, there's no they're, way. Not even, they're not even thinking. They actually they don't realize that. This teaches that every man has, God has to do, that he has to give every man the gospel. Because you can't get saved yeah. the gospel. Right, well, that makes sense. I mean, the gospel has to go out into all the world before Jesus comes, right? Isn't that one of the, one of the precursors to his coming? Say that again? Isn't one of the precursors to his coming, you know, the gospel going out into all the world? That's a, that's a complicated subject, okay? That, oh, okay. I don't want to veer off into that. It'll get more complicated. Okay. I believe he's speaking well, to a first century audience because he came in the first century. So everything changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to use the Bible uh, to prove that, that Christ's coming did not happen in the first century? No man's ever done that, by the way. Because there's no is, it, is, it, is it possible nothing. to prove? The, is it possible? Is it possible to use the Bible to prove? To, to prove what? To prove that he didn't come um, around the first century, in the first century, or not long after. I'm not. I'm not interested in trying to disprove that Jesus came. I I, I already believe. You know, I don't get well, it. Well, the reason I bring that uh, up is because he's talking to a audience that was resurrected. They were awaiting the second coming that happened a long time ago. 
we've been left behind. We don't have this second coming in the future. We have another event. Okay, it's the Exodus rapture. Now, you have to deny a lot of things to deny that. The reason that people are not talking about this, they haven't heard. They haven't heard. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. Well, I mean, you know, I, like I said, it doesn't really change anything for me as far as, as far as you know, because uh, I mean, it just that that to me, what I was hearing from you, kind of like it just strikes me a little, a little well, harsh. Let, you know? let me let me give you an on, uh, an example. The apostles would have sounded extremely harsh to you, and sort of went down about. Oh, Dave. You gotta understand, most people thought that all of them were overly harsh, and they left. They didn't like hearing them, did they? Dave. No. Dave. Um, uh-huh. I can't hear you that good. All right. Sorry, man. Well, hey, Dave, I mean, uh, Eddie, I'm going to have to go because i got to go to work. But um, well, I, w- I definitely want to continue this conversation. Dave has a lot of a lot of cool things that uh, for me to, you know, we just, check out. Okay. All right, um, Dave. Yeah. Can we call you tomorrow? Um. Yeah, if we don't talk for a long time, you know, like one of those five-hour things or not. Because uh, I got, I'll be busier tomorrow. But we can, we can well, how that. about like, um, Mike? Do you work Sunday? Do you work Sunday or something? Or <laughs> I work. I have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off. I should be able right. because I'm gonna be out of town Friday and Saturday. Okay. So if we all right, all right. Got it. Call me, call me Sunday. And we'll we'll hook up. All right. All right, Dave. Thanks for talking to me, man. Appreciate it, bro. All right. All right. Well, we'll got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Can you check out Eddie? Hello? Yeah. Um, could, we, could we talk on Sunday? Uh, what time do you think would be a good time? Um, probably like around 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock uh, in the afternoon. Probably like we could possibly do that. I, I think I could possibly do that. I'm not certain, but... Uh, see, sometimes I have these house meetings on... Uh, I have to be there like uh, 8... Okay. So, I don't know. I actually, tell pe- I actually tell people that Sunday is my worst night <laughs> because that helps okay. me, you know? Yeah. But, um. But Monday, maybe Monday, like the lately, time. No, like- lately, they haven't had house meetings, okay? And I could possibly just get out of it. Okay. And, um, Sunday might be a good uh, night. I'll, I'll stay in contact with you, okay? Huh? Cool, cool. So, if anything, um. I'll give you a you call. Know, uh, I'll I, I just want to tell you something, okay? I am sat on this show. So one show I will do one thing, another show I'll do a different thing, okay? And right. I've let spe- people speak one error after another, and I sit there and I go, uh, uh-huh. And then Johnny will come on the show and he jokes around and says, you know what Dave says, uh-huh. He's just trying not to be controversial and just get along. I've done that with person after person. You can't do that all the time. Right. Okay? All these things, I don't believe hardly any of them, okay? And I think they're right. errors. Mm-hmm. And if the, I can keep talking about them. We're going from subject to subject so quickly. All, there's all kinds of things. See, it's very difficult because it makes it sound as if I'm talking too much. But actually, here's the thing. There's all kinds of things that I need to say, and I, I can't even say them. Because, um, see, what you need to do is ask questions and then I need to give an adequate reply. Now, if it revo- uh, involves more complexity, I have to be able to speak to explain all this 
or it's simply not going to be explained. Now, you either get that or you don't. Now, when there's more right. kind of a running dialogue between, you know, it's my turn now, and you've been talking long enough, and, you know, you guys are two minutes, now I get my, I cannot do that. Uh, and then I understand. going from subject to subject, if, if the pressure starts to build on me, because people could just easily explain this, explain that. Well, what about this? What about, I disagree with that. It, it just gets extremely complicated. See, these things are complicated. You have to be given time to explain them. There's no quick right. answers. See, when you go to a local church, people are used to quick answers. There's no quick answers for most of this stuff. Exactly, yeah. I want you to think about, we spent a lot of time on that, John 3.16. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, every man has not an equal opportunity, but he must have a sincere offer from God. And it has to do with information because you must accept Jesus as Messiah. If you don't, you're doomed. Now, you can't do that with inf- uh, without information. Right. Okay. So, set the, you know, this religious talk aside, it all comes down to one thing. Has God, is he doing it today or has he ever done it? Does he give to every man this information so they can respond correctly? Now, if he doesn't, it can, it can be as little as one person that he doesn't, because now it's not an absolute position. Okay? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I could concede the Antichrist because he's mentioned he's a uh, son of perdition. Okay? So that's the right. scripture. Okay? But obviously, and this is just a witness of history, and you can't deny it. There's, nobody can prove it. We don't even have information. Like, we don't have information about Australia. Exactly. We don't have it. There's no written records. So how could anyone possibly say that God gave this information to everyone so they could be like, this is ridiculous. Okay, so once we, now we realize, well, God, he wasn't trying to save them, and there's no evidence that, even if he did, he couldn't prove it anyway. Mm-hmm. This is actually a magical belief of Christianity. It's not based on Scripture. See, we're forcing an interpretation upon the word world. There's different words for that in Greek. But the point right. is, all these words are translated world, but they mean different things in Greek. But they come across as one word. See, sometimes it's the world system. I mean, it's almost like you say, there's no system. They're not talking about system like we talk about. They're talking about system. You say, you know, the world system. That day, no organized uh, society. Or the known world. You know what I mean? Exactly. But now, this is a fact. <clears throat> Uh, any century since the first century, as far as I know, don't think scholar. I think the majority of view of scholars has always been in that in that particular verse. He's not referring to the entire world. And I well, I, I, should, say, I, I should actually say history of the church. I would say every century, yeah. Um. It's possible that things have slipped. I just skipped the 21st century. It's possible that things have slipped enough in the 20th century. I think so, though. Mm-hmm. I'm going by things like Bible commentaries and stuff like that. It's right. a very modernistic, liberal view. Now, the reason it's liberal is it has to do with modernism. You know, all these people call themselves Arminians. The Arminians back in the day, they wouldn't even acknowledge them. They think they're Arminians, you see. 
the Armenians that opposed the Calvinists, they wouldn't have talked like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is modernism, it's liberalism. It's really soft. It's based on, um, you know, the premise that God's plan is um, based on sympathy for the creature. God, that's what it is, right? That God loves us so much, right? Right. But see, these people don't understand. God never does anything for anything outside himself is the primary motivation. It's never found outside God. It's always found within God. God doesn't do anything for anything outside himself. It's the first and the highest cause why he does it. And if he did, we'd have a chaotic universe. Okay? God does mm-hmm. it for himself. And this is what the scripture teaches. And everything else is secondary. Now, the reason is because everything outside of God is a lesser good, a lesser philosophical good. His plan is not based around lesser good. It's based around himself. This doesn't make sense in the secular human culture or always exalting man, the importance of man, and you go to church and say, oh, God loves us so much. Now, what they're saying in that passage, obviously, God loves everybody so much that he's going to give everybody an opportunity it's up to them. Isn't that what they're saying? Right. God loves everybody so much that he's going to give everybody a fair opportunity to get saved. Is that what history tells us? Nope. <laughs> you see how you have to look outside the Bible to allow the clear witness of history to interpret Scripture. Now people freak out about it. Oh, don't go outside the Bible. But people do it all the time. You have to. The more we learn about the first century, in history itself, or influence it has on it. Just example after example. When you learn new things about Hebrew culture, that's how you interpret certain words. Translating committees infallible. They mm-hmm. don't know everything. That means that they can learn like other human beings. Well, guess what? If you can learn, then you can make mistakes. So do they make mistakes? Oh, yes, they make mistakes. Oh, but we don't like to talk about that. You know what we have in church today? Little, uneducated children. Uneducated children who don't like to think about these things. And that's, that's basically it. Exactly. Just on the word education, you cannot get educated by going to any church in America. You know why? Um, Dave, you can't just show up once or twice. Dave, can I I call you back in a little bit? No, I'll let you go. Uh, Can I call you back? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in room two probably. I recorded it. Oh, okay. I gotta let you go. um, Okay, okay, all right. Talk to you later. Yeah. Uh, all right. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Chuck, are you there? Yeah. I hate to say it, but that's humanistic philosophy. And um, uh, Protestant philosopher, uh, theologian that would have um, said anything that they would post that right down the line. But it's not, Mike. This is what people believe today. Exactly. Well, agreed. Their belief. This is what they call Christian belief. And there's problems right down the line. One problem after another. Mm-hmm. 
anywhere. Well, it's the background and training and the propaganda and what's been indwelled into them, you know, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, anything else? Any comments? <laughs> no, man. Cool. Right. Okay, maybe we'll talk later tonight, all right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.